Welcome back everyone to Couch Potato Diary. My name is Peter Klein. You can find me on social media, Twitter and Instagram. I am at PrimetimeKlein, twitch.tv slash PrimetimePK. And you can email the show CouchPotatoDiary at yahoo.com. Been off for a couple of weeks. We got a dog. So that has completely turned everything upside down here. And then you might still be able to hear uh, getting over uh, the, the last bits of just some kind of stuffed upness or whatever, but didn't sound awesome. So thought I would just take a bit of time to <sighs> decompress. A little bit. And luckily, nothing of note has happened um, in the sports world, whether it be hockey, baseball, basketball, football. Nothing really happened. So that's good. Not, not sure what we're going to talk about today. Uh, coming up on the show today, a decision that should have been made months ago uh, as the Calgary Flames have fired Daryl Sutter. That is going to be the main focus of the day. We're going to close with some early storylines from the UFC and Canelo Alvarez as this is a major weekend in the world of combat sports. We have wrestling, boxing, and the Ultimate Fighting Championship all kicking off in one weekend. Even just saying that, I'm like, do I have this wrong? Nope. Aljamain Sterling against Henry Cejudo is uh, this weekend taking a look. Let's see. WWE. Oh, wait, wait. WWE. WWE Backlash. Oh yeah, no, that's this Saturday too. So we have a major, major weekend of combat sports coming up for you guys. So we're going to be focusing on that throughout the week as well. Thank you so much for the patience with the show. And thank you all so much for downloading and listening today. Hi, I'm Kim Carson. And I'm Peter Klein. And this is We Had No Idea. A podcast about world events that you know about. But might have fallen asleep for during history class or social studies, however you learned history in high school. Each week, we'll do a deep dive into important topics throughout history. So whether you already know everything or feel like you need a top up on some history, we'll be here for you. Listen to us each week, wherever you get your podcasts. Woo! So obviously the big news out here over the last couple of days has been the firing of Daryl Sutter. And I was on record anywhere that would have me saying that I thought this was a move that the team should make, but it was not a move the team was going to make. And I am very clearly wrong on that one. But in the end, this is the right move. This was one of those situations where it is, well, you can't fire the whole team, so fire the manager. But it was so clear that the guys who you brought in specifically under Daryl Sutter's watch, to be the cornerstones of the franchise, we're not jiving with Daryl Sutter. Whether that was, like, past, present, or future, right? Whether it was, I guess he was kind of jiving with Milan Lucic, right? Like, Lucic wasn't going to play that much for basically any other coach in the league. Um, but it, it was so clear that, like, it wasn't working for Huberto. It wasn't working for Kadri. You, you hear Elias Lindholm talking after, it wasn't working for Elias Lindholm. Backlund, it'll work for anything. But... Even that one, you kind of got a sense like he wasn't totally stoked on everything. And then the, the big one for me was when there was the things aren't right in Calgary right now uh, message from Alan Walsh out on social media. And again, it was, oh, we don't like to go to social media. We wish maybe he hadn't have said that. No one was like, nah, bro, it's fine here. Everything's good. Don't worry about it. So that was kind of... Um, eye-opening, but then he also wasn't jiving with the, the young kids who are the, the future of this team. Not that, I, look, I like Pelche. I don't think he's like future cornerstone, but he's a big part of what the Flames are looking to do um, out here in Calgary. And they are going to to need him, um, going to need him to, to be a part of things going forward. And now 
it was so clear he wasn't a part of the, the plans. Rizichka had like three bad games and never saw the ice again. Um, it was a little topsy-turvy with Dubé. Like it was just, th- there was no level aside from like specifically Milan Lucic and Trevor Lewis and probably Nikita Zidorov uh, too. There was no level of the Flames where it was like, okay, this is working really, really well. And so you get the the decision that kind of moved things along. And it was, it kind of seemed apparent that it was mutual because Daryl Sutter didn't seem like he gave a shit either, quite frankly. Um, I've said before that I, I'm not a fan of how this guy handled things in the media. That was certainly brought up. Um, Huberto giving um, uh, an interview, I think with Bob Hartley, which is a weird Mad Lib in 2023. But I... Like a lot of people, and apparently a lot of people in the Flames, hated how the Pelche thing was handled. Like, oh, what number was he again? Oh, yeah, he was fine. And then you go in the back and tell him, good job. Like, every time Daryl Sutter was out in front of the media, it felt like it was, to steal a wrestling term, to get Daryl Sutter over. There was very little, like, the best coaches always, well, not always, but a lot of the time, sometimes they just get pissed off. A lot of times we'll try to take the pressure off of their players. And there was a lot of pressure on the players, right? Everyone was shitting on Huberto. Everyone was shitting on Kadri for the last couple of months of the season. Everyone was shitting on Markstrom. Daryl Sutter did nothing to deflect anything away from that. In fact, anytime they did something well, like when they they moved Huberto over to the side he's more comfortable with, well, he came in on the right side. Like, can't give even the slightest morsel of credit to anyone. It had to be a, well, I mean, he came in on the side that I told him to come in on. Like, everything was about him. Everything had to be about the fucking brilliance of Daryl Sutter. And it's just so tired. Like, I, I, I just, I couldn't stand him. Couldn't stand him. At this point, I'll drive him to the airport. Like, I know he's not going to fly anywhere, but you get what I'm saying. Like, I just, I was so over the shtick. I was so over the being a little bit harder on some reporters than others. I was so over the not giving his players credit and not taking one morsel of accountability the entire season. All of that. Pathetic. Just get the fuck out. Like, I, the, the more I'm talking about this, the more I am really, really excited to see where the Flames go with this. I think this is great news for the young players, right? Like, he, the the main thing that this comes down to is Daryl was the wrong guy at the wrong time for this team. Whether it was with Gaudreau and, and Kachuk, I don't, I don't think he had a role in them getting out of town. I think they probably didn't want to be here for a, a little bit. But whether it was like that style that ended up like getting them barely through the first round and into the second round, or it was with this group now, it was just so clear that he wasn't meshing with the the roster. I don't think he was meshing with the general manager. I, I just, it was so clear it was a bad fit for a couple of years now, or for a year and a bit now, I guess. He did win the Jack Adams last year. I don't want it to seem like it was all turmoil. Like the things, things went well with this team last year, but then in the playoffs, they really didn't. And that started this whole chain of events. But I am I am now excited to see how the young players really kind of thrive under this. Uh, who else comes in, right? And who knows? Like, maybe it'll be another hard-ass who doesn't play young players and this team will be stuck. But this this feels like a bit of light at the end of the tunnel for some of the younger players who are going to be coming up with the Flames. And now, I don't really know where they go from here. To me, every option is on the table. Because, like, coaching aside, and I... I blame the coach mostly for what happened last year. But the players still went out there and put that performance out on the ice. 
And so to me, you can't just tell me that it was, well, the coach and that was, that was it. That was the only thing holding this team back. There was a, a talent discrepancy. You look at the, the Stanley Cup playoffs, there hasn't been one moment of a playoff game that I felt, oh man, the Flames would have done great in this. I, I think that this is a team that needs a bit of a roster upgrade as well if they are going to be competitive. Personally, I think they should try to... Uh, I was under the belief that they should try to blow this thing up. But you can now look at this roster and say... I know I just went on that little rant. But you can look at this roster and say, there's no way everyone's going to be that bad again next year. With everything that was going on with the coach, with everything that was going on with just turning this roster over, there's no way that you can look at this team and think, oh yeah, this is this is going to be just as bad next year. If they wanted to give it another go next year, I would totally understand it. If they wanted to blow things up next year, I would totally understand it. The one thing that has me kind of leaning in the, I think this team will try to, to push for something next season is a that's what they've always done here and there probably is a need for a re there definitely is a need for a rebuild here but when you have giant contracts like Huberto and Kadri those aren't going to get better with time right and so you, you have kind of put yourself in in a position where you kind of need to keep going for it and hope that the coach that you bring in next meshes a little bit more with Jonathan Huberto and meshes a little bit more with Nazem Kadri and meshes a little bit more with the young players. And then you look at the roster, you are going to be replacing Milan Lucic's minutes with probably the, the excitement and exuberance of a Pelche or a Zari or someone along those lines. Maybe a Matthew Phillips gets another crack with the organization now. Um, so you're going to fill those minutes with probably something that's going to be a little bit more productive. And then you have to assume there's going to be an uptick from almost everyone in the top six, minus Tyler Toffoli. You can really squint at things and see, does this now mean that this team can be competitive immediately going into next season? There's going to be some tweaks that need to be made regardless of what direction that they go. But to me, this puts everything back on the table when it comes to the Calgary Flames. Moving into the teams that are actually playing right now, the Toronto Maple Leafs uh, won their first playoff round in uh, since 2004. I'm not sure if you've seen. Uh, it's very minimal coverage of this. But I, I'm joking. I'm so happy for Leafs fans. Like, the... The thing that always gets me, and it, it, I was talking with some people over the weekend, it was like the the Washington Capitals from a few years ago. Anytime someone makes the argument, oh yeah, they got all these talented guys, but they don't know how to win. If, if you are knocking a team for having too much talent, I just tune out immediately. And it, it felt like that was happening with Toronto. Like the, the Toronto Maple Leafs are a talented hockey team. Have they had construction flaws in the past? Yes. Do, is this the best of the teams that have lost in this era? Yeah. Uh -huh. But now, like this, I, I love how this team is constructed. I love how they have put things together. It is not flawless, but I love how they have put this thing together. And so I just, I wanted this version of the Leafs to be rewarded. Leafs fans deserve to, to be rewarded. And it, it's not their fault that all of the coverage around their team is insufferable all the time. But I... I just feel genuinely happy for Leafs fans who have had to put up with all of that bullshit for, for so long. Something just fell in here and scared the hell out of me. Um, but really, from a Leaf fan perspective now, or from a Leafs perspective, I know it's kind of cliche to say it, but everything really has opened up. You have a Carolina Hurricanes team that... I mean, again, like you have the Hurricanes, you have the Devils, and you have the Panthers. Those are the teams in your way. One of them more directly than the others. Um, on... 
in your way on your path towards the the Stanley Cup finals. The Leafs, I would say, like Carolina and Toronto, I feel like are right there. The Leafs are so much better than the Panthers. And I think they are so much better than the Devils. So this really does feel like the Leafs' time. Now, I will say, Toronto needs to be taking this seriously, uh, this series, sorry, more seriously than Leaf fans are taking it. Because it does kind of feel like, oh yeah, we'll beat the Panthers in three, and then we'll move on to the <laughs> we'll move on to face the, the Devils or the Hurricanes in the next round, and neither of them are the Bruins, so we'll kick the shit out of them, as if Columbus didn't just happen a couple of years ago. See, now I'm piling on Leafs fans, that's unfair. But to to me, you you just saw an example of this in basketball with the um, the, the Celtics losing game one to the 76ers, they kind of came out in that game and felt like with no Joel Embiid in for Philadelphia, that it was basically Boston's right to win that game. The Leafs cannot come out in that sort of a way. They need to come out and take this every bit as seriously as they took the Tampa Bay Lightning. You think back to last season and how Tampa Bay ran out of gas in the Stanley Cup final. That running out of gas probably would have happened in the Eastern Conference final if they didn't kick the ever-loving shit out of the Florida Panthers in the, the second round. That needs to be Toronto now. Go out and make that statement that you are as bad as you say you are. Go out and be that team that had some Leaf fans saying, nah, screw the Panthers, we want the Bruins in this next round. Be that team, put these guys away quickly and set yourself up for success the rest of the way. But not only does the whole East feel wide open, this whole thing feels wide open. Like, Vegas has never really felt like the dominant, this is the number one team um, at any point really this year. Like, and th there have been stretches, I'm sure, but anytime I've seen them, it's just kind of been like, you look up, it's like, oh, I guess it's four to one. Huh. Well, what do you know? Like, they, they beat the Jets, but I... I think a lot more of that was to do with the Jets. You look at Edmonton, like, I view them as probably the favorites in the West right now, but, like, they, they didn't blow the Kings away in the way that we were expecting them to. There really isn't that definitive favorite right now in both the NHL and the NBA, and that just makes things so, so very exciting. Moving into the world of combat sports, uh, some early UFC storylines to watch out for. Are we convinced Henry Cejudo is still a draw? Um, I, I wanted to do a thing about how Henry Cejudo was not deserving of a title shot. Um, going into this one, by the way, the, the main event for um, UFC 288 is for the Bantamweight Championship with Henry Cejudo going up against Aljamain Sterling. Uh, the last time that we saw Henry Cejudo, he was defeating Dominic Cruz in 2020 to uh, defend the Bantamweight Championship after winning it from Marlon Moraes. Actually, he was vacated when he won it from Marlon Moraes, but he was the champ champ, he was the triple C, all of those things. Does anyone care? And like, th this is a genuine question, and it, it sucks that it's a genuine question, but there, there is a kind of a point to this. Does anyone really care that Henry Cejudo is fighting for a championship? Like, is this guy a legitimate draw, or is this a, oh, I think I remember that guy's name? Because to me, he never really felt like he was the guy who, like, was going to carry this division to, to prominence and, oh, lock him in for 500,000 pay-per-view buys, like, right then and there. He never really had that vibe to me. So I, I'll i be interested to see what the, the buzz is like this week for this because th this feels like pay-per-view co-main event to me. Um, but I, I can't be like, oh, this guy shouldn't get a title shot because 
Like, he's a former two-division champion. A former champion in this weight class. If he wants to come back and get a title shot, fine. You know, like, George St. Pierre came back and got a title shot in middleweight. I was fine with that because of the resume that he had built before that. And so I can't really get on, on Henry Cejudo for this one. If Cejudo is still a draw, if Cejudo is a name then this is, I think, a star-making performance possibility for Aljamain Sterling. Henry Cejudo, um, like we said, has not fought. It will be basically almost exactly three years. He is 36 years old. Now, I'm sure he has been training and keeping up with things, but that is different than going into a cage with someone who's been training to punch your face off. So I do view this as a really big opportunity for Sterling to kind of advance his name into this. But overall, the bantamweight division... That this just so clearly proves that the bantamweight division really does need a few more challengers to, to kind of make their names known. Uh, Marab had the opportunity, I think, to, to really get his name out there, and he didn't really do it. Sean O'Malley, obviously, is is giving it a go. But then after that, like, Corey Sandhagen, it feels like that one's kind of coming on. Piotr Jan, very clearly, that's not going to happen after the, the long... Um, rivalry here with Aljamain Sterling. And then you get into the Rob Fonts, the Song Yadongs, Dominic Cruz is still a top 10 fighter. Like this division, there's a lot of talented guys in there. The division needs a few more intriguing challengers moving forward, I believe. Um, because right now, like this just, this isn't it. I am, I am so blah to, to this UFC card. In the co-main event though, uh, Gilbert Burns takes on Bilal Muhammad. This should be a number one contender's fight in the welterweight division. It does still sound like it's going to be Colby Covington getting the, the next title shot. And we're going to get into the, the troubles with the UFC star-making machine later on this week. But this one, I believe, should be a number one contender's bout. And now we get into the other big fight of the weekend. Um, I would say the biggest fight of the weekend as Canelo Alvarez steps back into the um, into the squared circle to take on John Ryder on pay-per-view. Um, look, we all know, big fan of Canelo Alvarez here. I, I just wonder what Canelo we are going to see. This this is going to be really interesting. Um, but we remember back to, to May where it was a, a bit of a falling off for Canelo. And look, he, he had a size disadvantage and he was still able to come out and and really put up a fight, but he, he ended up losing that. Now against John Ryder here a year, a year later, it's in Guadalajara. It's going to be so fascinating. It's back down at super middleweight uh, where he's defending the WBA Super along with the WBC, IBF, WBO, and Ring Magazine Super Middleweight Championship. But we have seen sometimes where it just takes that one little bit of vulnerability to kind of bring down um, the, this house of cards. I'm interested to see now. A couple of fights removed, yes, but how does Canelo Alvarez kind of move forward with that? How does being in Guadalajara uh, affect him? I, I still think he is, like the, the talk after the Gervonta Davis-Ryan um, Garcia fight about how Gervonta was the new face of boxing. I never bought that. Um, Canelo is still the face of boxing. I still think he is the best boxer of, of this time right now, but he... He should prove that, I think, in a, a very big way here against John Ryder coming up this weekend. Uh, all right, time for a quick pause, and then when we come back, it'll be time for today's Ticket. Some of the music on Coach Potato Diary is provided by Wasted Talent. Find their producer on Instagram at Tommy Fresh Music. All right, today's ticket, obviously, the uh, 
selection a little bit uh, a little bit softer now as we go into the next round of both the NHL and NBA postseasons. Um, the Toronto Maple Leafs are favored against the Florida Panthers tonight. I'm going to buy into the Leafs. I'm going to say Toronto wins this one. Um, and I'm going to take the minus a goal and a half. That's that's what we are going to do with that one. I'm going to... S- you know what? I, I feel like... I feel like the Kraken are getting hated on just a little bit. I'm going to go Kraken to win straight up, plus 150 um, uh, against the Dallas Stars in that one. Let's go check out what's going on in the NBA tonight. It's the Heat taking on the Knickerbockers. I, I'm i going to go with the under in this one, under 207.5. Neither of these teams putting up huge point totals. I like the under in that game. And Lakers-Warriors, I kind of just want to see it, so we're, we're going to... We're going to sit that one out tonight. Um, baseball, I haven't gone through the starting pitchers, so I don't necessarily love all of these options. We are going to go with the Blue Jays against the Red Sox. I think Toronto bounces back from that one last night. We'll go minus a run and a half at plus 120. Uh, and then in the world of mixed martial arts, I'm going to get in on this early. I'm going to go um, Aljamain Sterling. I think the fact that it's a pick is a little bit crazy. So I'm going to go Aljamain Sterling uh, to win straight up against Henry Cejudo, minus 102 at Cool Bet. So your picks on today's ticket are Aljamain Sterling, the Toronto Blue Jays, minus uh, one and a half, the Heat and Knicks to go under, 207 and a half, the Seattle Kraken to win straight up at plus 150, and the Toronto Maple Leafs, minus a goal and a half against the Florida Panthers. We have hit track, and so the picks are locked in. All right, it was great to be back. Thank you all so much for downloading and for listening today. Um, Hoping to come back pretty regularly now, back to your kind of regularly scheduled programming that uh, you've come to know and love from Couch Potato Diary. Again, my name is Peter Klein. You can find me on social media, Twitter, Instagram. I am at PrimetimeKlein. Thank you all so much for listening, and I'll talk to you all 